We've been talking about embracing identity now for the past few weeks, and we shared last week the vision and articulated it this way, that our vision at BCC is to connect people in the Quad Cities to a transforming relationship with Jesus and to grow through finding belonging in healthy, authentic church community that is known for how we serve one another and others to impact every generation beyond our lifetime. And the simple way of saying this is simply to connect, to grow, and to serve. And last week we really zeroed in and focused on this idea of what it means to connect. And when we talked about connecting, we really focused in on the idea of having a healthy connection between you and Jesus to cause continual transformation. Because let's be honest, none of us have arrived. Amen? Amen. Like none of us have hit like the apex of being a Christian. We all need to keep growing because we never stop needing Jesus. And we all need to continue to grow and learn as we're teachable, as we're humble. And not only do we need to be connected to him, but we need to lead others to help them to be connected to Christ as well. And so that's part of our role and our responsibility as Christians and as a part of our identity as what we're called to do as a church collectively we're all called to help others to connect as we ourselves are staying connected to this transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and so now we want to shift our focus just a little bit to the next portion of that uh, vision statement and that is to grow and we want to focus on growth today. So I have with me Pastor Evan Sheckler, who is our discipleship pastor here at Bettendorf Christian Church. And uh, I believe that uh, it's been something that Evan and I have had a lot of discussion around even before I was hired here as the pastor. It's actually, I think, the first thing that he and I talked about that really connected us and connected our hearts to that, that was a big resonating thing for he and I was this idea of growing and not only growth, but how we grow. Because a lot of people use the word growth in church and oftentimes they mean filling the empty seats with more people. While that's important and I think that that's great when more people come to church, that's not the type of growth that we're talking about. Because I believe that growing, uh, things are going to grow when they're healthy. And so you'll notice in the language that we say that we want to grow by connecting to this healthy, authentic church community and finding belonging in that. So we're going to explore that today, and we're going to talk about that. But when you say the word growth in church, and like you need to grow as a Christian, we all have heard that, and we all know that that's true. Like, I need to grow in the Lord, right? I need to grow as a Christ follower. But what do we normally interpret that to mean? Like, how would you define that that question how would you answer that question of what types of things should you grow in because i think a lot of us want to grow in um we think well maybe that means grow in bible knowledge like i need to know more of the bible so if i grow i need to know more of that kind of stuff you know yeah my brain automatically goes to a checklist right uh I, that's just how i function i think a lot of us do uh, I need to work on my patience as a, as a father. I need to be a better husband. So I need to work on, uh, you know, I need to work on all these things. Yep. It's like when we think about spiritual growth or growth as a Christian, it automatically puts pressure on us, it seems like. To try harder. Yeah, exactly. Like we're trying harder to do better. And that seems to be like the aim of spiritual growth, to just try harder to do better. So we put all this pressure on ourselves to try to be hyper-disciplined 
to try to figure this stuff out. And then we can look back at it to go, oh, look at what I've accomplished. And we can kind of take the credit for it if we're not careful because we can, oh, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, look, yeah. at, look at me. When that's not this idea of spiritual growth that we see yeah. in the scripture. Yeah, it, it, it sounds exhausting, actually. Exactly. And when we, when we adopt that mentality of try harder, do better, uh, we're not only making the gospel essentially disappear we're exhausting ourselves yep. and it it makes sense that we would do that because in every er other area i need to lose weight so i'm going to eat healthy yep. i'm going to exercise right uh, but that spiritual growth it doesn't it doesn't work that way. I'm going to grow spiritually, so I'm going to try to be a better <coughs> Christian or be less angry towards my wife and children or be a better employee at work or right. whatever the case may be. And we put the onus on ourselves yeah. to just try harder, do better. When we look at the scripture, I think we're going to see something very different. So let's go over to Galatians <coughs> chapter 5. I think this is probably one of uh, the most famous, if not the uh, go-to scripture when it comes to talking about uh, this idea of spiritual growth. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the context while you're turning to find Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, and they were dealing with the issue of Judaizers. And a Judaizer was a Jewish person who had also taken all of the rhythms and practices and rituals of being a Jew and now attached being a Jesus follower to that. So as to where Jesus actually frees us from looking to the law to save us, the Judaizers added Jesus to the law as another piece or another step of salvation. So they looked at Jesus as an addition to the law. So it made, you know, being right in the eyes of God even much more complicated because now you're having to follow Jesus plus do all of these other observances and uh, the days and the rituals and follow everything just perfectly and they were spreading this message and it seemed right in the eyes of a person who may have grown up <coughs> Jewish because they understood how they were being taught the law and now they're hearing Christ in addition to this and they're going okay and and Paul goes who bewitched you guys come on Galatians like who bewitched you do do you think that you know you're abandoning this idea of being saved by grace and now it's up to you to like perfect this and figure it all out and so Paul writes this letter to them and it's in that spirit that he's actually writing this portion that we're going to read this morning over in Galatians 5 and we're going to start reading in verse 22 where Paul says this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another I want to read over into ver uh, chapter 6 because remember in the original <coughs> letter there were no chapter and verse divisions those were added for our benefit so this is one continuous letter uh, chapter 6 verse 1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. 
Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, I don't know about the way maybe you were raised if you grew up in church, but I grew up in church, and I remember being taught the fruits of the Spirit as if it's like this checklist of things that I have to become really good at because now I'm a Christian. And I need to make sure I'm doing good at loving, and I'm doing good at being gentle, I'm doing good at being patient, right? All these things that I'm trying to like advance in my life and grow in my life on my own. That's not the way that the Apostle Paul is using this illustration of fruit of the Spirit. He's using fruit, you could almost exchange the word evidence for fruit. Because he's trying to help them understand this is the evidence of the Spirit of God actually living on the inside of you. Because in the same way that you would know an apple tree is an apple tree. You would know it's an apple tree because of how? The fruit that it produces. Now, I'm not one of these people who can tell by, like, the bark and the leaves and the shape of the tree what kind of tree it is. That's just not my game. I know some of you are like, oh, I can tell. Well, great for you. But I can't. <laughs> and and, and I, when I lived in Wisconsin, we bought a house that had a lot of fruit trees. And we thought, like, that was a great selling point for the house. And everyone was like, ooh, it has fruit trees. No, that's not a selling point for me anymore at all. And some of you are like, well, what's wrong? I love fruit trees. Great. That's awesome. Love your fruit trees. I don't want them. I will buy the fruit from the store rather than try to grow it on my own because that was a nightmare with all the cleanup we had to do, the maintenance we had to do, the bugs, the bees when they were pollinating those things. Oh, my goodness. We had an apple tree. We had a pear tree. And get this, we had a plum tree and a peach tree. You know, those good old Wisconsin peaches. Everybody knows about those, <laughs> those Wisconsin peaches there once. You know, the good old peaches that always come from Wisconsin. <laughs> no, Wisconsin's not known for peaches, is it? What state's known for peaches? Help me out. Georgia. Right? Georgia is known for peaches, not Wisconsin. But I had a peach tree that was already uh, grown and, and, and matured at this house when we bought it. And it produced like these tiny little like grape-sized things. And it would only make like four or five of them that would actually survive. And I took the chance of taking a bite out of one one year that was a mistake um <laughs> i should not have done that i instantly regretted that it was terrible because you have to understand that fruit is going to need to be in the right environment uh, that tree is going to need to be in the right environment to produce fruit right it needs the right type of environment needs the right temperature it needs the right things surrounding it the right nutrients in the soil it needs the right things that are feeding it so it can be healthy. And then as that tree is healthy and the conditions around it are healthy, it's going to draw from that. And then there's going to be evidence that it's in a healthy environment. And what's the evidence going to be? Healthy fruit, right? The better the environment, the better the, the source, the healthier the fruit. If it's in the wrong environment, you're going to get some nasty Wisconsin peaches, all right? 
because it's just not in the right environment. It's not conducive. Now, we had an apple tree that was insane. We couldn't keep up with that apple tree because the apple tree was in a lot better environment to produce the types of apples that were growing on that tree. And it was just insane. We, we normally ended up giving away most of the apples and most of the pears uh, because we just couldn't keep up with it. And my kids hated going out there, having to pick all that stuff up um, because that was their job. Uh, but anyways, <coughs> one of those parenting things. Uh, but I, I'll say this, when we read the scripture and we hear Paul talking about the fruit of the spirit, he's talking about the evidence. He's not talking about some to-do list that we have to try harder to get better at. It's the evidence of the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Um, I don't know if you, you mentioned this because I wasn't listening but in, in Galatians 5, it's not an exhaustive list. Yeah, that's right. I said it. <clears throat> it's not an exhaustive list of evidence of the Spirit. So let's, uh, let's go to another uh, spot in, in Scripture, Romans 12, and we'll see uh, a little bit more evidence. And yeah, I did. I said it. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to take a look at Romans 12, and uh, by all means, pay attention. We're going to look at verses 9 through 21. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. <clears throat> that word, it catches me every time. Say it You need please. to get over it. I do. Abhor. Abhor. Hate what is evil. <laughs> Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice, those, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably, peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is writ written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. <coughs> to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by do so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, if I were to look at this passage, it's very easy for me to say, oh, okay, we have another to-do list here. Right. Let love be genuine. Okay, I think I can do that. I can, I can love my wife genuinely. I can love my brother genuinely. Hate what is evil. I can hate what is evil. That's, that's good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Love you, man. I love you too, Evan. See Even when you don't pay attention. Right. See how easy that is? We're, we're, we're doing pretty well, I mm -hmm. think, as, as, uh, as a disciple. Uh, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Okay, I can do that. Um, be patient in tribulation. Well, now we're getting a little more difficult. Bless those who persecute you. Yeah, I'm out. I, I don't want to do that. And that's where my nature starts to break down. And that's where I can't 
do this as a do's and don'ts list. Right. The moment we look at scripture like this as a do's and don'ts list, the moment we're bringing back the law yep. and throwing the gospel away. Mm-hmm. If we look uh, back at Galatians 5, a couple of verses before where you started reading, Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says, but I say walk by the spirit, uh, that's the key, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I want to be mean to my enemy. Right. That's natural for me to want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dangerous for us to look at scripture as a do's and don'ts list because we're going right back to the Pharise- the Pharisaical law of Moses. Yep, and that's like we were talking last week that that <coughs> connection with Christ is so important and a strong connection with Christ is really the key to spiritual growth. So you need to understand that spiritual growth is the evidence or the fruit of having that strong connection with Christ. Christ is the one who changes us at the heart level. Remember, we're pursuing transformation because Christ is changing us. He's making us have different desires by the way that we trust in him, grow in our relationship with him, and by the way that he's renewing our minds, by the way that we're learning him through the word. It's changing the type of fruit that's coming out of our lives. As to where once before, I find myself not doing the things that I wanted to do. Now that I found myself as a Christian, things that pre-Christ I would not have wanted to do. Now my desires are changing. I'm finding myself doing those things because of what Christ has done in my heart. Not because I willed it into place. Right. Not because I got really good at accomplishing something in my own. No, it's Christ in me that's done that. Right. It's Christ in me that's overcome that. So spiritual growth is the evidence of a strong connection with Christ. This is the same idea of growing as a Christian that we talked about in the series that our church was in right before I got here. Right. The Are We There Yet series. I, I preached one of those messages, but I watched you and Pastor Barry regularly use this um, diagram yeah. of spiritual growth. Yeah, it was a, a, if you remember, if you were here with us last January, we used a, a pie chart uh, and f- with four quadrants, and it was the stages of spiritual growth. Uh, the infancy stage, when you, when you uh, accept Christ, and then, then you, uh, but you really don't have any idea how to survive on your own. You're, you're an infant, and then you grow into childhood stage. And you could do a few things on your own, but you're still very um, uh, reliant on your parents, and you're a little consumer-driven. You, uh, you, you know, your mindset is about yourself. And then you mature and shift over to that young adult stage. And then finally, hopefully, we, we um, develop into spiritual parents. And what do, what do parents do? We reproduce. We multiply. That's what disciples are supposed to do. Disciples make disciples. We should all be seeking to be transformed into a Christ-like uh, disciple so that we can multiply and do what Jesus did himself. He modeled for us. And so... Uh, that we can be disciples who make disciples. We can't just stop and say, well, I've uh, received Christ, so I'm good. Right. Uh, cruise I'm, control. I'm good uh, in the child stage, so I'm going to hit cruise control. Right. It doesn't work that way because then we start relying on, our, on our, uh, ourselves again. Yep. It, it takes the humility 
to understand that we have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's guidance and say, okay, I want to be like you, Jesus. If we take a look at that chart, it's very easy to say, okay, I go from infant round to parent. I'm good. No, it's, there's another dimension there because our, our goal is like Jesus is out here and it's not just us spinning here and going round and round on a, on a two-dimensional chart. We actually need to kind of spiral out because we're going to go round and round in our, on our uh, spiritual journey. Uh, sometimes we're going to be spiritual parents and then other times we're going to get knocked back a peg and we're going to act like children. But we have to continue to seek after that Christ-likeness. Yep, and, and this idea of transformational growth, what, what we've carved out as vision verbiage for our church is that we grow through finding belonging in healthy, authentic, Christ-centered community. This is one of the best ways that we see growth happening in what we believe, and actually it was one of the things that originally connected Pastor Evan and myself when um, we first met because our ideas and philosophies around those concepts were very much the same because we saw the benefit of discipleship happening best in the context of relationships because that's where trust is formed. That's where we find those connections. That's where we sharpen each other. Scripture says iron sharpens iron and one man's countenance sharpens another. And so we go deeper together in Christ in our community. We see this all throughout the church of the New Testament. We see this all throughout the book of Acts where they were encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, eating in one another's homes. They were involved in one another's lives. It wasn't just a weekly touch point where they all gathered together on a Sunday morning. It was a relational thing that they were connected and convicted together. They needed each other because they understood that this idea of following Christ was not meant to be some solo maverick thing that we go out and do by ourselves, but yet it's something where we need one another. And, and we chose the verbiage of this section very, very carefully where we said we grow through finding belonging in healthy, authentic, Christ-centered community. Each one of those words we kind of want to talk about for just a second and kind of break down to help you understand what we mean when we say these words. Because when we say finding belonging, I think all of us kind of at a surface level understand that people need to belong and all that stuff. And, and, and that's great. But I want to take it just a little bit deeper. And I say this in my Next Steps class. And if you've ever come to uh, week one of Next Steps, you've heard me teach this. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul talks about how we're ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God were imploring others to be reconciled through you. It's like God is using us as his, his spokespeople, his representatives, and we're ambassadors for Christ. And that's what Paul's communicating there in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 and 21. Um, when we say <clears throat> that God loves you, when we say you're valued by God to another person, and we promote that message and we champion that message, can I tell you that our words only have as much meaning as how we bring that to life when we actually interact with people? Because if we're the ambassadors for Christ, people don't really care that we say God loves them. They want to feel that God loves them. How are they going to feel that God loves them? Well, by the way, you and I treat them because we're the ambassadors, we're the representatives. So it's kind of the old adage of people don't really care how much you know till they know how much you care. 
back in the 50s and 60s, you saw great crusades and big revivals and things like this happening where you would see the likes of Billy Graham, you would see the likes of, uh, if, you, if this name sounds familiar to you, uh, Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusades for Christ, and you would see these big evangelism events where you would just see troves and troves of people coming to Christ because the goal was to get people to believe. If we could just get them to hear the message of the gospel, then we could get them to believe, and then we'll help them to find connection and belonging in discipling communities and in local churches and and that was the goal we just need to get them to believe so let's just promote the gospel and blast the message of the gospel well a lot of people have heard the message of the gospel or they've heard a version of it or they've heard the idea of christ communicated but i believe that there's been a disconnect that has happened throughout the generations that has led to a post-christian culture that um, unfortunately we see the Quad Cities as number 15 on the list of top 100 cities in the United States of being post-Christian culture. And I don't want our church to be on that list, and I know neither do you, and we want to be one of the front runners that's leading the charge to get our cities off of that list, amen? amen? And I believe that it's going to take us understanding this idea and this concept of what it means to belong because the idea of Campus Crusades for Christ and Billy Graham Crusades All those things, and while people genuinely, definitely did come to Christ and they were powerful and God used them in mighty ways, the concept was to get people to believe, then to belong. Now I think that that script has flipped a little bit because of the church culture of our day. People want to know if you actually care and if you're the real deal before they're going to believe. They want to belong and then they're going to believe. It's much, much different. They want to know that you're real. They want to know that you're just not trying to sell them a bag of goods because guess what? They've been burned before. They've been told that people care. They've been told that people love them. They've been told how great that the, being a part of Christ Center community is. And then they experienced it and they left with a bad taste in their mouth because maybe they didn't see all the things that we told them they would see. Most likely they were trying to belong to a church community that was unhealthy That's and very not, true not too. authentic. And, and, and that, that can be the case as well. Or the enemy, the enemy gets in there and uses all sorts of different things to get those people. But I think that... If we're in tune with where people are at now, I think that, that, that you know, we're not seeing those big crusades like we once saw because, um, and those things were effective in their time, but now we're seeing people have to take the approach and the strategy of letting people know, hey, we actually do care about you, and that helps them to lower their side of the drawbridge right. to help them to get connected. So understand, our role is to create an environment, whether that be here on a Sunday morning or whether that be in our home or whether that be at our workplace where we're helping people to find belonging and we can help them to be connected. And we and so that's the type of church that we want to be because once people find belonging, they will understand, hey, this is real. What we have is real. The Christ that we serve is real. The God we love is real. And he's actually changing us because when people get close to us, we're healthy And they discover that we're healthy. We're not perfect. We don't have everything figured out. But we understand that we're flawed and we're growing. And we understand that we need to grow. And we're willing to forgive each other, work through things together, seek unity, all those things. Um, You mentioned seeking unity. Uh, Let's let's go on to uh, what a healthy church looks like. Belonging to a healthy and authentic uh, Christ-centered church. Uh, A healthy church seeking unity Um, I always go to Ephesians 4 when we talk about congregational unity. So let me just read the first three um, uh, verses here in Ephesians 4. 
I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And again, this is not yet another checklist. Right. This is evidence of, of the Spirit within us, <coughs> and we're seeking unity through the Spirit. Yep. When we're connected to Christ, even if we have a disagreement, you know, we can disagree with, with, with each other and still uh, be united. Right. Uh, Derek and I disagree all the time. All the time we're disagreeing. All the time, daily. And yet we're unified. <laughs> yes, we are. We're unified. Because it's like For that. the purpose of this sermon. That's right. No, I'm kidding. That Tomorrow. was a joke. That's a bad joke. I shouldn't have said that. That was a bad joke. Like that shirt. I love my shirt. This shirt is, this shirt is fantastic. It, it feels like pajamas. And see, here's an example <laughs> of where we can disagree and yet still be unified in who we are. Thank you. I thought that was funny. I'm secure right. in my shirt. That's good. Yep. And I appreciate you. But you understand that I mean no ill will. Yeah. Oh. Well, even when there's things that like are actually serious, like that, you know, either... I, you know, I, I offended you unintentionally or, or every Tuesday uh, <laughs> or whatever the case may be where, um, you know, you, you and I have the type of relationship where you know that I am seeking your best intent and, and you know that I'm not trying to cause harm to you and you know that likewise. And so you're willing to bring things to me and you have, you know, in the year that we've known each other, that you have shared things with me where you're like, hey, you said this, this bothered me, you know, uh, can we talk about this? And we work through it and we find resolution because you understand that I'm for you and vice versa. Right. And so when you have that type of, of a healthy relationship, it, it helps you to be able to trust each other more. But that didn't just start instantly, right? You've got to invest in those types of relationships. You've got to invest in people in that type of way. And that means that I'm lowering my drawbridge, you're lowering your drawbridge, and now we can speak very openly um, to each other in a lot of ways about a variety of subjects that we can be very healthy in our interaction. Right, you know? and then all of a sudden we're being authentic with one, one another. Yep. Yep, absolutely. We're, we're, uh, we're being vulnerable. I don't know. I'm sure everyone has a story like, like, uh, like this where you, you, you lower your drawbridge, as you say, or you, play, you, know, you show your cards uh, in an attempt that to make the other person either know you better or them feel more comfortable. And then they realize, oh, you struggle with that too? Or, right. wow, I didn't know you felt right. that way. I feel You're actually the same human, way. you know. Exactly. I have a, a small group where, as a pastor, it's kind of strange to be in a small group because, um, you know, either it's in my head or, or culture or whatever. I'm, as a pastor, I'm supposed to have everything all together and I can't have bad days. I can't miss a devotion. I can't right. miss my prayer time. And I have a small group where I can just be myself. Right. Uh, and That's that, super healthy for you. Yes, it is. And I can be authentic. Uh, as a human being, uh, and and that frees them up to to be uh, vulnerable and authentic. Right? Because we all know Evan's got problems. That's right. <coughs> <laughs> I think the joke has landed. Let's move on. Has it? Oh, okay. All right. So, I I could have expounded more on it, but um, 
Now, I, I think that, that that idea of being able to trust other people with that, though, mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, especially for you as a pastor. You know, I think that's important for us to be able to find people because just because you're a pastor doesn't elevate you in the eyes of God. God doesn't go, oh, he's a pastor, so, so that means he's more important. No, that means he, he's still human. He still has struggles. Um, he's just given a different responsibility to lead. And there are things that, you know, um, God has called you to do. But at the same time, those things don't make you more important. And, and I think that we all need to realize that we all need to grow. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ. We all have areas that we need to grow in. Amen? Amen. And, and so because we all need to grow, that takes humility. And that takes me realizing I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I need other people and i want to find belonging in an authentic healthy christ-centered not me-centered but christ-centered community of people who are loving jesus and loving others well and that brings us to our big idea that spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships because it helps us to really embrace this idea of biblical discipleship where it's not just a solo thing. You can grow on your own, no doubt. You can definitely grow in your walk with God. You should grow in your walk with God. But there are things you will just never see or get unless you have those relationships. You just won't. And that's very difficult to do in a congregation. If if we're a larger congregation as we are, it's very difficult and very dangerous to think, oh, I come to church. I come to church every week. Uh, Let me jump to Hebrews 10 uh, really quick. There's just a couple of verses here that I want to read because I hear people use this passage to uh, talk about church attendance, and there's part of that. But let me read uh, Hebrews 10, 20 through through 25. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wa- wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Great, we've got to be in relationship to do that. Not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not, not, to, not neglecting to meet together. Well, what does the church do? We meet together on Sunday mornings for about 90 minutes. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. If relationships are key to spiritual growth, remember, spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. We see it through the book of Acts. We see it from Jesus himself and the way he interacted with not only the 12, but everybody he interacted with as he discipled them. Relationships are key. And a relationally shallow church stunts spiritual growth. So as a larger congregation, we can't just uh, say, I'm going to go to church. We have to be living as the church daily. Yeah. I think that the church in the book of Acts would have been very confused by something that we say regularly. We say, I'm going to church. I don't think they would have understood what that meant because they would have had no concept of the church being somewhere they went. They, as far as they were concerned, they were the church. We are the body of Christ, and when we're together, we're just the church being together. It's not necessarily somewhere I go. 
in our westernized culture, we've compartmentalized everything. We go to work, we go to the store, we go over to a friend's house, and we go to church. And when I'm done with that thing, I'm no longer necessarily thinking about my friend or the store or work. We're done with that. And sadly enough, the same rings true often of church. When we go to church, and that's as far as that goes, if we just go to church and that's all we ever do, then when we unplug from that environment, then often our brain checks out, you know, and we just move on to other things in our lives. They would not have understood that in the book of Acts because they thought this is integrated into everything that I do, not just somewhere that I go. I'm not saying that it's wrong to say that we go to church because I understand what we mean when we say that. But when you look at it from a biblical perspective, it's not just somewhere we go. It's actually a part of our lives. It's actually infused. It's Christ is the center of our lives, and everything I do has been touched by that. So I am the church. I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative everywhere I go. So therefore, I want those connections. I want to still be connected to the rest of the body of Christ because I realize I need those relationships. Right, which is why we believe that God is calling not just BCC, but, but uh, all, all the ch church big C to be uh, a church that embraces an identity of a church of groups rather than a church that has groups. Yeah. We don't want our, our groups to be just a, an item on the buffet line uh, where we could just pick and choose things. Well, I think I'll take a little of this, I'll take a, th a little of that. We don't want uh, groups uh, that was really how we do relationships around here. We don't want groups to be just for the spiritually mature. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I go to church on Sunday. Um, and the, the groups and the serving and the, all that stuff, that's for the, like, the next level disciple. No, it's, it's for all of us. That's right. it's, it's who we are. We need to be grouping together in relationships. Yeah, I love that idea and that concept, uh, that, that illustration you use, because I think so many churches present what they have to offer as kind of like an a la carte menu, and you can just kind of pick and choose what you want, what you like, what fits your schedule, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and it's just like pick, pick, pick this, and you kind of walk away with your neat little plate of, of Christianity, and that's not the way that we see Christ being lived out in the scriptures. Yeah. We see these people are just, they're in, man. They're all in. And that's what we believe that God is calling us to be as a church that's just all in. And so we want to be plugged in. We want to be connected. Yeah, we can organize things here and we can organize, you know, different parts that will help you to get on board and get connected easier. But at the same time, we want people to understand this concept and be bought in to the idea of being a church of groups, not a church that just has groups. We, a lot of people look at Sunday morning uh, worship as like the big, you know, crescendo, uh, the, the, the big end to, you know, a hard, you know, work week. And I, I'm going to church and I want to be, uh, you know, encouraged and strengthened in the Lord and be around those other believers. And all those things could certainly happen. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. that, that we, we encourage that. Um, but at the same time, we don't necessarily look at Sunday morning as the end of something we're building towards. We look at what we do here on Sunday morning as rather the starting point or the launching pad for what we're going to go do throughout the week as the church, as the body of Christ. 
So it's more like that springboard into what God has called us to so you can be equipped, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, for the work of the ministry. So the saints can be equipped to go out and do, so you can be challenged, so you can be convicted, so you can be inspired, encouraged, whatever the Spirit wants to do in you and needs to do in you can be done in that atmosphere and in that environment. You can build those relationships. You can make those connections, get encouraged, worship together. You, and then it's go time, baby. It's time to go and do what God has called us to do. And we need to do it together on mission because we realize we're called. We're here and we're gifted and we want to do what God has created us to do. And we want to see Jesus transforming lives here in the Quad Cities and beyond. We want to see people growing through being connected to finding that belonging in that healthy, authentic, Christ-centered community. We want to see people understanding the gospel and growing in those things. And it takes a church that's willing to realize it's bigger than Sunday morning. Because Sunday morning is great. I love Sunday morning. Please keep coming. You know, I, I do. I look forward to Sunday morning. It's great. But I understand that's not the end of my, my Christian walk. I understand and I look at it differently. I used to uh, go to a, this, this was big, you know, probably about, you know, five, ten years ago. It seemed like every church conference that I went to or pastor's conference I went to, they always had some big theme like this. And it would always say something like, it's all about the weekend. I remember I went to a real edgy church conference one time, and they were like, it's all about the weekend, stupid, you know, and there were like books written about this, you know, because we're so edgy, it's all about the weekend, don't you know this, pastor? And I'm like, no, it's really not all about the weekend, it's actually, first of all, it's all about Jesus, um, and, and, and it's all about us being the church in our everyday lives. I, I think that that's going to be more impactful, if you want to look at moving the needle of eternity for the glory of God. Uh, I think it's actually not just about what we do. What we do on Sunday morning is very important, and I love it, and we want to continue to do that. And we put a lot of emphasis on that, and that's one of our three big main pillars that we want to connect to that we believe is important as a church. But at the same time, it's not all we do. And so it, it, it's that launch pad. It's that starting point. When we look at it that way, it helps us to understand what we actually are called to do, and then it helps us go, oh, yeah, I actually do need other people. I do need connection. I do need to be involved with others relationally outside of what we do on Sunday morning. So it's not just somewhere where we come and consume. It's something that we actually um, are a part of. So I think that this idea of groups being the norm is something that we want to see happen at BCC. We want to be a part of our culture, Yeah, I, a I, part of who we are. I would love to see that we grow spiritually through groups and that's, like you said, it's our identity. It's the norm Absolutely. at BCC. Well, that's why we say spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. That is the big idea. And I think that there's a lot of practicality behind this that maybe God's working on your heart this morning as you're hearing this message. And, and I know this is a, a lot different than what we normally do, but maybe that difference is a good difference for you today because maybe you needed to hear some of these ideas and concepts presented in some of these ways because maybe for you you are just for the first time thinking about how you need authentic relationships well what do i do about that well somebody's got to be the first to lower their side of the drawbridge somebody has to be the one willing to be open so maybe you're someone who you need to in the relationships that you have um you need to uh, just kind of step out there in faith 
and begin to really share your heart because here's what Christians do when they get together too often and they go, how you doing, brother? How you doing? Sister, oh, praise God, I'm doing great. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I'm a, too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I, I'm walking in the favor of the Lord and, and all that stuff. And you're like, are you even a real human being, you know? <laughs> Um, and it's great, you know, that, that, that and, and there's peppy, cheery people, but hey, even people who are happy, um, you know, 99% of the time, they have bad days too. And we, we so often don't want people to see chinks in our armor because we don't want them to see the weaknesses that we have. And so we always want to just present that everything's going okay. Well, what about those days when it's not? Who do you reach out to? Who do you talk to? Who are the people that you connect with when you're weary and you need to be lifted up? Because a lot of times we have too much pride to ask for help, even when it's offered. Can I, I want to encourage you in this, that, um, that if, if someone is offering you help during a season when maybe they're aware something's going on, I, I, I want to encourage you to let them help you, let them serve you. Well, I can do it on my own. Great, good for you. Let them serve you. You want to know why? Because they have a heart to serve. And when you say yes to them, you're letting them use your gifts. And it also requires humility out of you to accept their help. And so you're growing in humility. Even, well, well I know, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to inconvenience them. They offered. They offered. What if God put that on their heart to do? And what if God is wanting to grow their gift through the way they serve you? And because of your pride, you won't let them serve because, oh, I don't need it. It's okay. We're fine. You're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And even if you are, let them bless you and let them serve because it'll teach you something and let you be humble. Watch what God does. So maybe that's your, your thing you walk away with today. It's authentic. It's humble. It's being vulnerable, willing to let somebody in, letting someone to see Letting someone see that, oh, it's not all perfect. It's not all put together. You yeah. know, there's other ways we can connect too, though. Yeah. Well, well <clears throat> I want to. I want to. Before I list a couple other ways to connect, I want to make sure uh, you said something during the first service that I thought was fantastic. That we we really want to invite you to be a part of this vision of becoming that healthy, authentic, right. Christ-centered uh, uh, community, and every single one of us has a role to play in that. Yeah, absolutely. So were you like teeing that up for me? I was. Oh, okay. All right, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> All right. So I think that the idea is that it doesn't matter what your step is, when each one of us take a step in the direction of growth, whatever that step may be, we're becoming just that much more healthier. We're becoming that much more authentic. We're becoming more vulnerable. We're becoming more trusting in Christ, we're becoming healthier. And here's the thing, I, I love it when we have packed out full Sundays. I think that's great. Uh, those are exciting times, but I am not the type of leader or pastor that's gonna try to draw a crowd with a bunch of gimmicks. I want to see a healthy growth in our church, both numerically, but more importantly, spiritually, because here's what I believe. I believe that healthy things will produce fruit and grow. Amen? Amen? And so if we can be a healthy church who are united, who are loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving others outside of our walls, and we're doing that really well, and we have all are taking steps to become healthier and getting more and more connected, then 
the lost are going to begin to come to Christ. We're going to start seeing the empty seats filled. We're going to start seeing more people come. That's the byproduct of health. So it's not about just packing out an auditorium. It's not just about having more people come so we can do this or do that. I want to see us be healthy followers of Jesus who are impacting and influencing eternity for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. That's the priority here, folks. Amen? That's the priority that people see real Christianity lived out. People see people who actually are, are passionately following Jesus and that are real Jesus followers, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we've got it all together, but we're genuinely pursuing Jesus. Uh, my, my pastor friend, um, Pastor Stephen Maris, um, who's a pastor in Wisconsin, uh, he says this, and I, I love this saying. He said, marriage done best is when two people are pursuing Christ with their whole hearts. Think about that. Marriage done best is two people pursuing Christ with their whole hearts. Church done best is a congregation of people who are pursuing Christ with their whole hearts. So you may be in a, in a connection group already, and that is fantastic. So your step might be to figure out how... How might I need to be more vulnerable or more authentic in the group so that I can build yet a deeper relationship uh, with that, that one person or the people in, in my group? Even in groups, it's easy to stay surface yeah. uh, and just be kind of surface-level Bible study or surface-level uh, you know, board game group or, or whatever it is. It still takes uh, some, some vulnerability to get to those relationships within those connection groups. Right. But maybe you're, you haven't found uh, your group yet. We want to help you do that. Uh, today and next Sunday, we've got several of our connection group leaders out in the cafe. So if you've been here for B, uh, to BCC for a while, or maybe you're brand new and you're thinking, you know what, this whole spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I see it in scripture. I need help with that. We want to help you with that. Uh, stop by the cafe and you can put some faces to names to some of the groups uh, who have room to, uh, to accept you into their Bible study group or to accept you into, I mentioned board game group. Uh, Kyle West is going to start a video gaming group. Uh, we've got groups with activity based. We've got groups that get deeper into study. And, uh, and, but all are for the purpose of connecting and growing spiritually as, as a whole, ma maintaining that connection with Christ. So it doesn't really matter which, which type of group. Um, no, <clears throat> we are in a position, though, it's just a season of, of life that our congregation is in, where we are finding a lot of our groups are full. And there's something to be said about having a group that's a little too big uh, in, as far as getting to those deeper relationships. So we like to keep our groups, you know, 12 or under or something like that. Um, so a lot of our groups are full. So maybe your step, maybe you've been in a group for a while, but God's saying, hey, there are other people that can't fit into the groups. Maybe it's time to try starting a group. And it might be a study group. It might be an activity group. Speaking of, of study groups, uh, Pastor Derek, in two weeks, the second week of February, He's going to kick off uh, the, 
Gospel of Mark series. Yeah. And, and he's going to pre- preach through chapter by chapter. And we're going to go through the whole book of Mark. The whole book of Mark. All the way up to Easter. Yes, the last chapter uh, ends on Easter Sunday. Uh, what a great way to prepare ourselves for Passion Week, uh, for Easter Sunday. We're going to hear uh, a, a sermon from Pastor Derek. We've got uh, resources from Version. We've got resources from the uh, study guides that we draw up each week. And um, we're going to go at the same pace as the Gospel of Mark uh, video uh, study from Francis Chan. So if you're looking to uh, try your, uh, you know, try out starting a group, here's an 11-week opportunity as a trial run yeah. to, and I don't mean to sound like an infomercial, I really don't. But Below uh, price of 1995. <laughs> that's Three right. Easy payments, Three no. easy payments. Um, yeah, th- we're going to be going through the Mark, uh, bo- g- book of Mark together. What a great way to gather together as even if it was just a temporary group for 11 weeks, we just embrace uh, each other going through the gospel. And how much will you grow that through that? Exactly. I mean, and also our student ministry is going to go through that with us as well. And <coughs> Pastor Barry is going to have just a little bit different take than what uh, we do on Sunday morning. So, I mean, you're talking about even as a whole family, you could get fully engaged in going through the Gospel of Mark. I mean, how much is your family going to grow in understanding Scripture and your love for Scripture and in also walking through the experience of, you know, all of the things leading up to Easter that it's actually going to fall on those same weeks. And it's just going to be a wonderful experience and a great opportunity of spiritual growth. So we just want to mention that to you so that way you guys can... Um, know uh, that that's a great opportunity if you're like, I don't know where to start. So Yeah, and speaking of starting, so if if you are interested, if you're looking for a group, uh, again, you can talk with some leaders who are here today after the service, but we have uh, a fantastic uh, filtering system on our website. So you go to our website on the homepage, scroll down to connection groups, click on find a group. That'll take you to our database, and you can filter out. I want to see groups for men. I want to see groups that meet on Wednesdays. I want to see groups that meet weekly or, or biweekly or whatever. You can find a group that best fits your needs. I need childcare. Check that box, and it'll filter all of them. Um, and then if you're somebody who's got God is calling to start a group, there's a button on our website that says start a group, and that takes you through the process and notifies me, and we'll get to chatting, and, and I'll help you get that started. That's bettendorfcc.com. Check that out. But, uh, you know, wherever you may be, our hope and prayer is that you've identified a step. And so we've kind of spelled some of those steps out for you today. And my hope and prayer is that you take that information and you are not just a hearer of that word, but you'll be a doer. So what is that next step for you? We want to pray today as we close our time together. And I want you to have the courage to take that next step so we can grow to be that healthy, authentic, Christ-centered community together. So Father, we thank you for this day, and we're just grateful for the opportunity to be hearers of your word, and now help us to be reminded by your spirit so that we can be doers of your word. Let us take that next action step, Father. If you're calling some of us to be more vulnerable, if you're calling some of us to be, Lord, more transparent, or, or to be deeper connected in relationship, or some of us just to be more available, whatever it may be, Lord, whatever you're calling us to say yes to, help us to say yes to that by, by reminding us of this, by keeping it stirred and alive in us, and let us together continue to grow to impact eternity. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.